So here we are again, another Sunday afternoon, a nice day, Sunday fun day. And it's a fun day for me because I get a little bit of a break this afternoon. Um, so we actually have a guest speaker who is uh, with us today. It's uh, Paul Curtis. I've known Paul Curtis for a long time. Um, you know, he I guess you are my senior, but I've known you since I was a young kid. Um, his sons and I would hang out in church uh, and outside of church, sleepovers, the whole nine yards. And so um, Paul and his wife, Christine, are special people to the Pierce family. And uh, when I was thinking, you know, who could be part of the preaching ballpen? You know, who could come and be a relief preacher? I thought, well, Paul would be one of those men. I know that you're going to be blessed this afternoon with what he has prepared. And just a little uh, food for thought. Paul pastored once upon a time at a church out Scotland Way called Crossroads. And uh, so he has experience as a, as a pastor and as a preacher. And so without further ado, I'm going to invite Paul to come on up and, and bring the word of God this afternoon. So why don't you give him a warm welcome as he comes to share. Thank you, Paul. Bless you, man. Well, thank you, Pastor. Thank you very much, and good afternoon to you all. It's good to see your front. Of, you know, usually I'm sat at the back, and you look far better this side. <laughs> Trust me, except Mary with her mask over there. I think it's Mary. Yes, she's got a mask. She's as cute as ever. Well, it's, it's uh, Sunday afternoon, and I appreciate... Uh, pastor asking me to share, uh, and I did pastor um, be over 30 years ago now, uh, 32, 33 years ago in, in a little church, uh, it was called Crossroads, and it was out in Scotland, Burford, Holly. Anybody know that big metropolis out there? You do, a few of you do. Well, it was there, it was a little church uh, a wooden church, you know, those wooden slats all the way around, painted white. And, and I, when I got the position, I went down to meet the group. It's funny you mention that, Pastor, but, uh, and I remember going into this one-room church, and the Sunday schools were curtains in four corners of the church pulled around. So we had four classrooms, and 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 at of course, you had the altar there and, and all the things that go with a little church. And it had a potbelly stove as you walked in. So when we were there at the meeting, there was a little old gentleman, Mr. Jones. He always called me Mr. Curtis. Mr. Curtis, this and Mr. Curtis, that. that was, that's fine. That's my name. So I'm looking around at different things, and I said, uh, Mr. Jones. Where's the bathrooms? Oh, Mr. Curtis, follow me. And I'm sure he was on the Tim Conway show because he walked like this. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm following him. Right behind him, round the corner, outside we go, down the side of the church. And he stops at the back of the church. And he says, Mr. Curtis, do you see that building there at the end of the field? I said, yeah. He said, that's the toilets. And off he went. And I'm thinking, that's the toilet. So I wanted to check this out. Well, this is, this is true. So down the field I go. And I get to this wooden hut. And I look at it. And you could hear the bees are buzzing and the flies and all that sort of stuff on this hut. Uh, um, summer's afternoon, and, and I, I ventured to open the door. And I went a little bit further and just a little bit further, and to my dismay, I'm looking at not only one, not only two, but three-seater. Has anybody ever seen a three-seater? It's a family affair. <laughs> Couldn't believe this. So I thought, oh my gosh closed the door, went back in, and um, thought, well, I can see what's going to happen, that I might make sure that I get my sermon at a certain time that it must finish, because people have to rush off home. Because many of them probably don't want to use the, um, 
the little pullet at the bottom of the, of the field and that potbelly stove. I remember Mr. Jones would get up early Sunday morning and stoke it up. It was all, it's a wood fire. And, uh, you know, by, by 9, 9.30 we were there, it was, just a, it was just so hot. And then one winter, it was like, it was a winter's day. I can remember one of the congregation ladies came, her name was Wendy, and she was cold and she was up by the fire and she was warming herself and she backed up a little bit. Then all of a sudden we start to see smoke. Whew, holy smoke. Up it came and she, her coat was on fire, no joke. And so I, I, I grabbed a vase with flowers and it was artificial flowers. I thought I might you know, throw it over, but they were artificial. But we got the fire out, bless her. She was baptized in fire. Okay, what does he have to say this morning? We rely on the Holy Spirit for so much because Jesus relied on the Spirit for so much and for everything. He was baptized and he was filled with the Spirit. So this morning, this afternoon, what I'm going to share about is rediscovering the kingdom. I've got, in fact, I've got a few titles here. God's mandate for the planet, God's mandate for man, and God's mandate for the purpose of Jesus Christ. What was his purpose? Why did he create? So if you've got your Bibles with you, if you haven't, there's some in the front of your, of your pews there. You can grab the Bible. We're, we're going to go to Genesis 1. Now, Genesis means beginning, beginning, the start. And so when we go there to Genesis 1, we look at Genesis 1.1. And the most important thing there is in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And before anything else was created, before anything else was in existence, there was God. In the beginning, God. The universe was not created. The sun, the moon, nothing was created. But God in his, has his own kingdom, his own domain, where he lived and resides in, his place, what we call heaven, or the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. So the importance to realize that God was in his domain, and domain means kingdom. And then he decided, it says, and he created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the waters. That's very, very important for us to understand that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the waters. Yeah. The spirit of God is going to do the work. As God speaks it, so does the spirit of God and the creation of God's word creates. The importance of seeing here it was void, just like you and I at one time were, were in the darkness. We were void to the things of God. We were void to the things of church, many things we didn't believe. Maybe we were atheists or agnostics. Maybe we were brought up in a church, but we really hadn't given our hearts to the living God. But you know, the Spirit of God was hovering over each and every single one of us drawing us, convicting us, convincing us of sin. Not condemning, not condemning, not judging, but convincing us that, hey, there's another way if you accept. So that Spirit of God, soon as that Spirit of God comes within us, it recreates the inner being, the inside first. 
We begin to think different. We begin to speak different. Those line up with the way that we act different. Because now we're born again. We're a new creation. A new creation. So you must look at ourselves, or we must look at ourselves, that we are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. The only one that condemns us is the enemy. And he's good at that. He's very good at that. Excuse me. I must get a little drop of the old water here. I have to buy you a table, Pastor Andrew. I, I knew I forgot something. I forgot that. You forgot the table. I forgot the little stool. You mentioned the table, all the stool. It's not very elegant when, the, when I have to bend down and, you know, pick up the water and guzzle it. And then put it down again. It takes and spills it. It takes the anointing. It's known, Pastor Andrew, as the annoying. Oh my gosh, thank you. That's almost a table. Bless your soul. So here we see now that God is creating the earth. And then as we go, we're not going to go through the whole thing because we've got so much scripture that it would take us quite a while. And, uh, but we do have bathrooms here. <laughs> so... So we go down, I want us to look. So here's the preparation. This is the preparation. So when you read Genesis 1 down to 1 to 26, we'll go to 26 in a moment. This is God preparing something very special. Very special. And that, that special person and persons is you and I. The beginning of life. The beginning of a new creation. And that's important to realize that God is bringing down something from heaven. And the important thing to know is that we belong to this kingdom or this domain. So as we go down now, so with the preparation, everything is ready. Everything is fine. And God said, now... Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have a dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and even over every creep. No, 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 it just says creeping thing, pardon me. But there's a few creeps over there that we bump into, but you know, these creeps can make us and move us into a place of accepting the fact that when we have, we're working, or you got somebody in your family, or you're working with somebody or something, that you just, just, hey man, this is hard on me. It's hard on me because my natural love to accept some of these family members, and I, maybe some here, I know we all have issues with family, friends, and, and places at work where we just have to go through the day or the week or the month, whatever it is, trying to love them, forgive them, understand them. And there's nothing worse than family members that, you know, it's hard to get along with. But God didn't give us dominion over man. You'll understand that. So when you see dictators, and I'm not getting on the politics here, I'm not getting onto the, onto the issue of, of, of dictators. God did not design the planet to have a dictator or a man or a company or a country to lead over others. So what we're seeing today and we'll always see is that why the world, Jesus said this, why the world is as it is, there'll always be famines and there'll always be wars. Always. And we're seeing another one rise up now. The same spirit that rose up against, G, uh, against God, Lucifer, 
He says, I will, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put my throne above God's throne. I will be like the most high. And so the spirit of rebellion, the spirit that will anger God, but God suffers it for a while and then judgment. And we see that with Lucifer. He was cast out. But that same spirit now that wanders planet Earth is causing the same th things that we're going to see until Christ comes. It's not going to be something that's going to happen once in a while. And we think, is this the, uh, is this the Third World War? Is this what it is? We don't know. There's very many false prophets out there and false teachers were saying, well, this is this and, uh, you know, be careful. Um, you know, God's, God is coming. We don't know exactly when, but we know he's coming. And just, we have to, have you heard this so many times? Just be prepared. Just be prepared. So, let's continue on here. Let's go over to chapter two, verse seven. This is interesting. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So here we have now, everything is ready for the jewel. Everything is ready for the jewel of this kingdom that God is bringing down to earth. And it's man and it's woman. But the neat thing about it, angels he created, but not in his own image. Man he created when he said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We look like God. Now you say, what, what does he mean? Does he look? Well, if you understand what God looks like. Now, I understand what Jesus can look like. We've seen pictures and we can imagine what he looks like, but we don't until we actually see him. God, on the other hand, we think of him on a throne with a big beard, a long beard, and, 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 and just a kind of a fieriness. And also, but he, <laughs> he walked with man in the cool of the day to walk and talk with Adam. He walked and he talked and he had a fellowship, he had a relationship with his creator. The importance is this is what God intended in the first place. Not because he was lonely, he was self-contained, he's, he's got a heaven full of angels, but he wanted to make something in his own image. And if you look through the scriptures in the first part of Genesis, you'll see they keep mentioning and go and replenish. Go and replenish. God was replenishing himself in form of us, man. Think, well, we're not God. We're not God, but we're made in the image and likeness of God. We, we're born again with his spirit, so when God formed man out of the dust. There was no life in him until he breathed through his nostrils. And it said that man became a living soul, a living being. He got up and I think he recognized his father straight away. I don't think there was anything of being introduced because I'm gonna tell you something here. I've been in Canada now for what, 50, 52 years. 1973, in a Catholic basement, a priest had come up from the States and with him he brought the spirit with him. And what I'm talking about that is that the Spirit was the, the Holy Spirit, the anointing Spirit that I hadn't heard of before. I'd heard of being born again. So I'm in this basement. We used to go there every Wednesday night. I'm in this basement, and these people are praying, and they're happy, and they're singing, and they're in a circle. 
and, and, and I'd go and I'd leave afterwards. And I'd, yeah. But there was something drawing me back. And again, it was the spirit of the living God convincing me, drawing me back. So awesome, the fact that I didn't realize that. And awesome, the fact that God has been chasing you for years until he got you. You think that, you know, hey, man, oh, he's been looking at you. He's been waiting for the day when you say, I will. I surrender all. He's looking for that day. He's looking. And then when you say, I do, I will, I surrender all, he comes in. And that's what I did that night. They came over, these young kids, and the priest, and he was laying hands on me. And they started talking in a strange tongue. And I'm thinking, oh, what have I got involved in now? And I hit, I'm stuck. I can't move. They had all their hands are on me. I thought, oh my God. I'm done now. And then, to my enjoyment, to my overwhelmment, is that a word? Overwhelmment? Well, it is now. I was overwhelmed. But I felt an anointing coming down upon my head and my whole being. And as I felt this anointing, then it started in the stomach. Now, what does the scripture say? Out of the inner being flows living water, the living spirit. And all of a sudden, I could feel this coming up and up. And all of a sudden, I went as crackers as the rest of them and speak in this strange language. <laughs> and I couldn't stop. And I'm looking around and everybody's praising God and laughing and all these others are praising God and speaking in tongues. And so am I, and so am I, and so am I. And all of a sudden, I said to myself, now I know the truth. All the religion, all the church that I'd gone through, all the searching for other things, whether it be in money, whether it be in, in sex, whether it be in food, whether it be whatever thing that I was chasing and the things I was chasing at that age, I was only in my 20s, were gone. I didn't want to chase that. Why? Because God had come in. And at that moment, I said, now I know the truth. Amen. And the truth set me free. And when God sets you free, you're free indeed. Amen. There's no going back. There's no going back. There's no going back. And that night I went home and I got by my bed and I got down on my knees and I'm, I'm thinking to myself here, no, I it was, and then the devil will come. You see, the devil comes in when you're, when you're ripe for the word of God. When you hear this today, some of you are going to be blessed and some will bounce off you until you are ready to receive some of the things that God is saying. But some of you are ready to receive more than you realize because the soil of your heart is ready. And that's important. It's not dry. It's not cracked up. It's been watered. This morning I could feel the sense of spirit here because of the worship. Worship will water us, will soften us, will bring us into the presence of God. Though we have the presence of God inside, there's also the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit around. And that is brought down by prayer and the people that love God. So when you see some of these, these uh, revivals going on, there's many times that they've been praying for years and years. But all of a sudden, God says, okay, now's the time for, for me to fall on you. And that was the time for, for God to fall on to me and say, Paul, I've got you now. You're mine. And I said to him, I've got you, Lord. You're mine.
And that night, by, the, by my bed, when the enemy came in and said, you spoke in tongues, baloney. <laughs> I said, you're right. They're all nuts. I didn't really speak in tongues. It was just, I was just blabbering out. Because the word says it's blabber. Yeah, they're blabbering over there. They're drunk. Oh, dear. I wasn't drunk. But I was blabbering on and... You see, the enemy wants to come in and steal. He's the thief. He'll steal whatever he can from you. As soon as you get an anointing, a revelation, whatever you get from God, he's there to take it away because he doesn't want you to advance in his kingdom. God say, I want you to advance. So from that day to this, I've advanced. Yes, I've pastored churches. I've, I've come alongside pastors over the years. I've taught in Bible schools because I want to get the word out. I don't want to hide my gift. Don't hide your gift. Don't hide your gift. If you are called to do something that you know that you know that you know, do it. No matter where you are or what the circumstances. Yeah. Moses was 80. It's never too old. I'm 73. Hey, if he can get an old guy at 80 to walk for 40 years. Man, oh man. He can get one or two of us in a light years. To do something, it's never too late to do things for God. Amen. If you're willing, he's willing. Whatever you've got in your hand to give to God, God will give back to you. And whatever you do for him, he'll give back to you. I'm not talking just money here. I'm not a prosperity preacher. But you give to God and God will give back to you. He's just looking. He wanders around. And then he gets the people that he wants. I mean, just look at Paul, for instance. This man was a Pharisee, smart, spoke many languages. But he hated the Christians. I had one in my first church. Bless his soul. I can see him now. Well, he's dead now, but I can see him now. The first Sunday I was there, I walked down, and I was going out to the front of the church to greet people because they were on their way to the bathroom at home. And, and he pulls me over. He says, I didn't vote for you. I said, oh, gosh. What would happen if you did? He says, as long as you're here, I'm going to be a thorn in your side. I was there for five and a half years. He was a thorn in my side. He thought he was doing, because like Paul, this man knew of God, but he didn't know God. There's a difference. Saul of Tarsus didn't know, he knew of him, but he didn't know God. He didn't know what he was doing in his ignorance. So God and Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus. And, and the great thing about it, Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that says a lot. He wasn't persecuting Jesus, he was persecuting the Christians. So when you get persecuted, Christ gets persecuted. Okay? Christ is seeing you hurt. Christ is seeing you persecuted. Christ is seeing what you're going through. Some things he'll stop. But Paul was stopped. And he was going in one direction. His own will was taking him to persecute Christians. His will, not God's will. It wasn't until Paul changed directions that he was in the will of God. He was in the will of God. 
Though it took him years to become the teacher who he was and the writer who he was, and he went through so much. But he never went back. He said, though I do the things I hate and some of the things I, I don't do, I wish I could do. He was in conflict with his flesh because we're flesh. It's a conflict. It's an issue. But he said, thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm born again and I'm made free. I paraphrase. I'm free. But the grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Un merited favor you don't have to do anything to get the grace and God on your side religion does they're doing things they're preparing things but with God he said unmerited favor grace is given to you now when I was a, a young kid at school, I'd be, what, in my junior school, so I'd be, what, about 10, I don't know, 11. And we used to get a little badge called, it's called Merit. And every month, all of us in the class would work very hard to get a badge. And I, once, I, I got a Merit badge, and I was so proud, I stuck it on my coat. And I was very proud that I had this Merit badge, but I'd worked hard for it. But with God, you don't have to work hard for his love, for his forgiveness, for anything. You don't have to work for it. The problem with some of us is that we're more sin conscious than God conscious. You get that? We're more sin conscious than God conscious. God loves us for who we are. Never mind what we keep doing. He's not going to say, oh, there he goes again. Look what she's done. Oh, my God. How is she going to learn? He doesn't look at it like that. He's looking through unconditional love eyes. See, he's not, he just doesn't have love. He is love. Yeah, that, that's a hard one for me to understand. I have love. But I'm not love. Though I have the Holy Spirit, which helps to love. But I'm not love. God is love. That's who he is. We took on the nature. So it's possible for us to love the creep. It's possible for us to love the person in the family that really causes us and makes us mad. You say, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with him or her. Or that one kid, he's 10 years old and he bugs me. Oh. I mean, little things, but family does that. Issues in our families that have to be overlooked because God is an overlooker. He's not bothered all the time what we do and what we sin. He's looking because, whoa, 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 back up, Paul, back up, beep, 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 no, back up. We are the righteousness, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that, what does righteousness mean? We're in a position before God as Jesus is. When God looks at you, he's looking at Jesus because now we're made in the image and likeness of Christ. He's not looking at Paul the sinner. He's looking at Paul, saved by grace. And now I'm right, I'm in a position that I can come before the throne of grace and say, Lord, I just love you. If you've done something wrong, you feel guilty about something, if you feel that you, you know, hey, I shouldn't have done that, confess it. And he is quick to forgive. And he forgives as far as the east is to the west. And the east to the west, they never join. It's gone. <laughs> we bring it up and the enemy will bring it up. And we, can, we condemn ourselves. But we walk around so heavy-hearted because we think God is heavy-hearted on us. And we've been taught in many stages of our Christian walk by preachers and teachers and things that we've been taught that you rotten scoundrel. by preachers and teachers instead of preaching God's love. You know something? Who did Jesus condemn? 
the sinner? No. He was the lover of sin. He, he hung around. He was, the sinners were this kind of family. He hung around. He loved sinners. Why? He could get them saved. He could get them turned around. The only people that he got upset about was who? Pharisees and the religious people of then and the religious people of today. He used to get ticked off at these religious people and these people that think they know what they know. Jesus said this, which is, I think it was Thomas, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I, it's somewhere in the Bible, so he might find it. Excuse me. But he said this. Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, oh, show you the Father? You want to see God? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They had more of a concept of a loving God. You see, the Old Testament, we look at things there, the, the wrath of God and the fire of God, but really when you start to think about it, Jesus walked, he was the Prince of Peace. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what the Father looks like. That's what the Father does. And in fact, he went another little bit stronger. He says, um, do you want a drink? I got some. No, you're okay there. Okay, great. He said this. This is, this is good. He said, I do nothing except what the Father tells me to do. I do nothing. And so what God in Jesus did and, and still does today is he's a loving God, not a condemning God, not an angry God. And we've been brought up for many uh, denominations say that he's, he's mad at you. Not really at but he is a man. He just loves the boots right off you. He does. He loves you to bits. He loves you so much that he's pulling you in to his kingdom, and I'm going to say this to you this morning, is that what God is doing in this little church here, he started a work, okay? And God didn't, Jesus didn't go around preaching in fact, I'll just say this, this might, this might surprise you, but it's true. Jesus only spoke once about being born again. And that was in the middle of the night. He only spoke once, he never mentioned it again. But he did say, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent means to turn around, to think different, to speak different, to act different. Jesus is doing that in this little church of it. We've only got a few, but he'll add. You see, um, Jesus didn't walk around and try to fill synagogues. Did you ever see him? No. No. He wasn't in the business of trying to fill the synagogue. And some pastors and priests, and I know I've been with them, that they can't wait. You've got to get them in. How many members you got? I've got 372, I've got 374, got you by one. Oh, but it's true. We look at the church's numbers. It's nice to have a full, con full church and a full congregation, but it says in, in, in the New Testament, when the word went forth, God added. And as the word's going forth, it's gonna be added. God will add. He wants to fill his kingdom, not a church, you see. When he fills his kingdom, the churches, that'll be next. They come in. They're looking for a place, but we go out there and we start ministering the kingdom and the kingdom principles, and we show people the love that we have and the forgiveness and the understanding that we have. 
We represent the kingdom of God. Are you a good rep or a bad rep? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Stretch your legs.
And again, if the Holy Spirit enlightens you into something that He wants you to do, is that you've been pondering, you've been putting it off. If there's someone you can visit at this time, if you've been prompted by the Spirit, do it. Try not to be disobedient because if we obey God in that prompting, and we do, we'll be blessed, and that person, the persons will think we'll be blessed too, because you obeyed God. Jesus said, I do nothing except what the Father tells me to do. So we're saying the same thing, we do nothing. Father, I say, to, say this to yourself, Father, I will do nothing except what you tell me to do. I want to walk in your will, not in the will of the world, not in my own will. You see, the stronger will, the stronger will will oversee and, and, and come down on that weaker will. afraid ego somebody said ego edging God out ego the enemy was full of ego himself and it's about time now that we surrendered ourselves and became the man and the woman that God wants us to be